tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Okay, let's... um. Open our Bible to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. We're going to uh, start there. It's a familiar passage, but that's where we're going to begin. Okay, hold on a second. Okay, Joel chapter 2. And we'll read verse 28. It says, And it shall come to pass that afterward that I will pour my spirit on upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon your servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Amen. Okay. I'm going to be uh, sharing from um, John Eckhart's book. I'm going to begin with that. And from Prophet Arise and from God Still Speaks. Uh, it's a really great book. Um, I recommend if you have the opportunity to pick it up on his website, if you're into the prophetic ministry, I'm pretty sure you will enjoy it. In fact, I know you will enjoy it. So if you can get that, you pick it up, it will, it will enhance your, your gift as a prophet, as someone who is into the prophetic ministry. Now, all those that are here are speaking to understand their spiritual gift a lot more, their prophetic gift. So this is the reason why we started this school of the prophets. Um, I just want to make something clear, though. Um, just because you can't prophesy and doesn't necessarily make you a prophet. You want to make that clear because everybody is called to prophesy, but not everybody is a prophet. So we want to make a distinction. Um, to be, if you're a prophet, there are certain characteristics uh, to be a prophet. So we'll get into that on another, another teaching. I'll talk about the characteristics of a prophet. One of them being prophets teach, they preach. Um, they're not scared, they're not, they're not shy people, they're bold people. Um, they have a compassion for people as well, but they're not afraid to speak the truth. They speak the truth in love. But again, prophets are one of a kind. They're not afraid to be who they are. And you know, there's a more characteristics to the gift, um, but that's just the basics of a prophet. So if you are one that doesn't like to preach or teach, then, then you need to check yourself because prophets teach and they preach. They do that. They just don't prophesy. They do other things. 
Amen. So I want to begin by reading uh, John Eckhart's book. And he says this, listen up. He says, millions of believers worldwide have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Many believers have limited their experience of speaking in tongues and have not experienced the blessings of prophecy. The believers in the New Testament church were able to speak in tongues and prophesy. Both prophecy and speaking in tongues are forms of inspired utterance. It is easy to explain speaking in tongues as inspired utterance in the language that is unknown to the speaker. And prophecy is an inspired utterance in a language that is known to the speaker. Now, I want to also read something else from his book. And it's from page 10 from the book, God Still Speaks. He says also about the word Naba. Now, many people are asking, what is a biblical prophet? What is a prophet? So in a nutshell, I want to give you a little background before we go into all the meat and potatoes of this study. Now, if you, you, if you can take notes, take notes, because there's a lot of information here that you will want to keep for future reference or keep in your pocket. You will be blessed by the information that you hear tonight, I guarantee you. So if you're able to write some of these things down, I suggest that you get yourself a pen or a pencil and a pad, because you will, again, benefit from it in the future. So again, here we go. We said three Hebrew words are used in the Old Testament to designate the prophets, namely Navi. Navi. Now, write that down. N-A-V-I, the word Navi. There's three of them. There's Navi, there's Roeh, and there is Jose. Okay? There's three of them. Say, I'll say that again. Three Hebrew words are used in the Old, in the Old Testament to designate the prophets, namely Navi. Now, According to what John Eckhart wrote here, he says, Naba, another word, Sema, two word for prophecy, which means to speak or sing by inspiration, in prediction or simple discourse. The word carries the sense of bubbling or springing up, flowing, pouring out, gushing forth. The word for prophet is Nabi. Here it is which means an inspired man. The word for prophetess is Nabiya, which means an inspired woman, okay? Inspired woman, a poetess, or a prophet's wife. So in other words, he's saying both men and women uh, can be inspired to flow or bubble up with the words of God in prophetic utterance. The inspiration to prophesy can fall upon us like rain, which is na-taf or bubble up from the inside, Naba. It's the same Holy Spirit who inspires us in both ways, and the result is also the same. Inspiration to speak forth the word of the Lord. So Jesus said the same thing. He said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. So that's the same thing. The word Navi means to bubble up, means the word comes out of you. The, the prophetic word comes out of you. A lot of times when you begin to pray for somebody, if you're in, into the prophetic, then you will begin to come out. It will come out of you. The word of the Lord will just come out. You, I, for me personally, when I begin to speak and I begin to pray for somebody, I'll give an example. Yesterday I was praying for a brother and all of a sudden within me, the word just, just came out. It just started flowing like a river, like, like the Bible says, like, like rivers of living water. And as, as John Eckhart, you know, that he says it's Navi as the Old Testament word, Navi, it just came coming out, come out. 
and it just flows. It just keeps flowing and flowing. And as you, as you increase in your prophetic gift, you'll notice that you're able to prophesy longer. You're not just doing choppy words. Like some people, when they're beginning to uh, learn in their prophetic gift, they just may say a few words and they'll stop and then they'll speak a few tongues and then they'll stop and then they'll get another revelation and then they, they'll speak forth again and there's more will come out. That's how everyone begins. But as you develop your prophetic gift and you begin to prophesy more, you will flow. It will just keep coming. It will just keep coming out and keep coming out. And then you will begin to just being a, a word, a word of the Lord. So that is um, basically what the word Navi means. Now I'm going to read you something else, one more thing from his book before we get into the, the meat and potatoes of this lesson. And there's one more thing he says. That spiritual believers and churches should prophesy. By virtue of being filled up with the Holy Spirit, we should overflow. Filled in the Greek, the word pefeo, meaning to imbu, influence, or supply. Spirit-filled believers should speak by the influence of the Holy Spirit because they have been imbued, influenced, and supplied with an abundance of the life of the Spirit of God. Under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we utter words that bring edification, exhortation, and comfort. And there is always an abundant supply of such utterance given to us by the Holy Spirit. When someone is drunk, we say he or she is under the influence. You know that. When somebody is drunk, we say he or she is under the influence. God wants you to be under the influence of his Holy Spirit in, in day in and day out. And he expects that we will prefer his influence to that alcoholic beverage. And then Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Again, he says, finally, and we live and operate under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Instead of being drunk or under the influence of wine, we will speak to another and sing to another divinely inspired words that inspire hope, joy, love, and thanksgiving. So those are some opening thoughts from John Eckhart's book, God Speaks. It's a tremendous book. I'm not trying to push it, but I'm just saying if you're into the prophetic, you will be benefit from this greatly. Amen. So now I want to begin a little bit more on this message. So basically, we started with the word Navi. And there are two other words that I mentioned. Another, the second word is Ra'ech, and the, second, the third one is Jose. And it says here, the last two words are participle, and they may be rendered seer. You ever heard the term seer is an Old Testament term for prophet. The prophets of the Old Testament were called seers because they saw things. They are practically synonymous, these words and meaning. Okay, so the prophet has seen that which is he prophesied. Although he need not have seen in the form of a real vision, he also sees words in his inner eyes, and that's powerful. And I read to you Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1, which says, The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Jerusalem and Judah, or rather Judah and Jerusalem. I'll, I'll repeat that. Isaiah 2.1 says, The word of Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Amen? So seers had visions with their eyes. They saw things. 
they dream things. As we read, as we began this study, we said in Joel's prophecy that men shall prophesy, I'm paraphrasing, and then people will dream dreams. Old men shall dream dreams and visions shall come. And as we see here, people today are, are doing the same thing. People are getting a, uh, a revelation of God through visions and dreams. People are dreaming like crazy, I believe, like, like never before. I see people in the Muslim faith having dreams and getting saved, people having visions. I mean, it's amazing what God is doing, being that the coming of the Lord is coming soon, that more and more people are receiving uh, visions and, and, and dreams and stuff to that effect. So again, as we saw in the Old Testament, people were rendered seers. Again, people are still seeing today. If you are a prophet, you are beginning to see things. You see things in the spiritual realm, not the physical realm. Sometimes I myself, I can't explain how I am able to do this, but sometimes I see things in the spirit. God will put a picture in my heart, in my mind. I, I mean, I'll just see things. I'll just see things unfolding within my eyes, in my mind. I just see things. And then as I open up, sometimes they're symbolic. Sometimes you'll see somebody with a, with a pencil, you'll see somebody walking with a, a crutch if they, have, if they have a broken leg, or you'll see somebody holding their head, meaning they have a headache. And there's people that also, sometimes when they're doing a healing, they're healing, healing, sometimes they'll feel pain in their body when they're going to pray for something. That's another sign of the prophetic. So again, seers were people that saw things. And again, people today are doing the same thing. People are seeing things. And I remember one time when I used to be, um, teaching in Times Square Church, I remember praying for a couple. And it was a, a, an Asian woman and a black man. And they didn't look like they belonged. They just, it was a weird looking couple. I just never seen anything like that before. But then again, when I sat down with them, I began to pray for them. And all of a sudden I began to know things that I, they looked at me like, how did I know these things? Well, basically that is a word of knowledge that God had given. It's just something that he gives you. How to explain it is something that you know. It's something like you already know these things. It's like you already know your name. And I began to say these things to this, these couple things, and some of them was mixed with the word of wisdom. When you see the word of wisdom coming into effect, it's basically something that's ahead of time, something that's coming that you're gonna, uh, you know the future, so to speak. When a word of knowledge is something that's present or has happened in the past. So at that point, sometimes there's a combination of three. Sometimes you may, under, under the anointing, you may have a word of wisdom, you may have a, a word of, of, of knowledge, and then a prophetic word will come forth out of your mouth. And sometimes that's, sometimes that's, that's what we see. We see all of the above. Sometimes that anointing will come on you like a, a rushing wind. And as I began to speak to these people, again, I, I was explaining, I was telling them certain things. And I had told this young man, I don't know why, but I know that God is telling me that you're sure and you're going to be in ministry. And then he began to smile. He couldn't believe that what it was true was a, it was a confirmation of what the Lord had already spoke to him. And then the Lord revealed, revealed this thing also to me that he was going to be a father. And he looked at her and he was very happy. And then I was about to get engaged and be, she was happy. She was ecstatic that she was going to be a mother. And these are things that just came, saw them in the spirit. I received a, a word from God and then I just let it out. So those are all the, some of the signs as people will talk about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when it says about, uh, you know, different types of gifts and different revelations. Like I mentioned before, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, those things come forth. They come into the spiritual sense. So, and again, the Old Testament, 
they saw things. So prophets see things. If you're a person in the prophetic ministry, you're going to see things in the spirit. You're not going to be able to understand why you're seeing these things. You can't explain why you see these things, but God re reveals these things to you. And I'm not talking about getting deep and getting, getting spooky or getting weird. You know, some people go off the deep end when they said, oh, when they get a gift, they think they have to do more. They think they have to do all these crazy things to get more. But no, it's a progression that God gives you more and more, and he sees what you can do, what, what you have. It's like a child. You give a child little by little, they take baby steps. And before you know when you, the child is walking. So that's how it is in the, in, the, in, the, in the spiritual realm. We grow more and more. We get deeper and higher and higher as the anointing increases in our life. And that's what I, people out here don't understand. They just give up when they just have just a taste of the prophetic. They just don't go forth and keep going on. They gave a taste of it. They think that's all there is to do, all there is to know. But no, there are many things to know. There are many things to see. There are many things to go forth. There are many anointings to fall upon. People don't have the patience. People don't have the time to grow in their prophetic gift. They want everything in one shot. But God doesn't work that way. He takes you step by step, as the Bible says, from glory to glory. So as you, as you go further in your prophetic gift, you will grow. God will begin to teach you things, show you things. The anointing will become more relevant in your life. But you must practice what you have. You have to exercise the gift that you already have. You have to stir up those gifts within you. Like I said to Timothy, to stir up the, the gift of God that's within you. So this is how we stay active. Many people that have a prophetic gift, they die because they don't exercise their gift. They become cold like the, the people in the church, the leadership of the church is cold, and they become cold. But sometimes we as, as people, if we're not able to exercise our gift, sometimes we have to exercise it elsewhere. And I'm not saying to leave your church. So then operating the prophetic, operating the prophetic maybe somewhere, exercise your gift. God doesn't want your, you to excel. He wants you to grow. He wants to use that gift for the edification of the church. He needs you to do that. You need to exercise it. It would go to waste. So many people sitting in pews and sitting around doing nothing. They're dying with their gifts and their gifts are wasting away. And before you know it, they're 70, 80 years old and they have not done nothing with their gifts. So God is speaking to you today. He's challenging you to exercise the gift, to bring it out to build upon it, to um, um, put, like I said, put more fire on it and let it grow. Don't, don't not prophesy, but continue to prophesy. And, you know, if you make mistakes, hey, it happens because we sometimes we're fallible. But there comes a time when you're going to mature. You're going to get better at what you're doing. You may mess up in the beginning. Yeah, that's going to happen. But again, because I still mess up, sometimes a word will come out and the words may not come out. But the thing is this, you can't put your mind too much to it. You just have to let the spirit of God flow through you. If you put your mind to it, you're going to try to think something out and then you're going to break the flow of the spirit of God speaking through you. And this is the problem that we have. We want to shut our minds and it's not a mind thing. You can't figure it out. It's, it's a spiritual thing. It's a supernatural thing. It's not something you, you could figure out again with your head. It comes out of the inner man and it flows, it flows, it flows. I'm talking about prophecy. When it comes to the other gifts come within the heart. It's coming within the spirit, okay? So let's the uh, the prophetic, the Old Testament. It says it is only another expression for this when it's frequently said that God has spoken to the prophet. In this case, too, it's not necessary 
that there must have been a voice which we can hear phonetically through his natural ear. The main thing is that he must have been able to sharply distinguish the contents of his voice from his heart, from his out of his heart and our conscience. And it takes practice. Sometimes people on their in the speaking their own mind. They start speaking their own thoughts, and that's how that's how up. They start making. I remember people saying, "This one's gonna marry this one in the church I belong to." Well, uh, some guy prophesying to an elderly woman that she was gonna be a missionary. She was gonna go to a deep, far country, and the woman looked at the guy like he was nuts. You know, seventy or eighty years old, and she wasn't look. She wasn't really understanding why this person had prophesied that. So, we have to be very careful that we don't prophesy, as I mentioned before, from our own personal conscience. We don't prophesy from our own head, but we prophesy from the spirit. And it says here, each of the words of the prophet designates one who is the spokesman for God. The uses of the word Navi is illustrated, and here we go. I want you to write these verses down. Exodus 4.15, Exodus 4.16, and Exodus 7.1. And I'm going to read Exodus 7.1 for you. Let me just open that up, if it opens up. There we go. Exodus 7, 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. And it says, In these passages, it's clearly taught that Moses stood in relationship to the, uh, to the Pharaoh as God. Between them was an intermediary, Aaron. Moreover, Aaron was to speak to Pharaoh the words that Moses gave to him. The man who could be designated as a Navi then is the one who speaks forth for God. And I'm going to read to you Exodus 4.16, which says, He, meaning Aaron, will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and if you were God to him. Okay, so basically what I'm saying is this. When you are speaking a prophetic word, you are speaking the words of God. You are speaking in behalf of God. God needs a voice on the earth, and he chooses people. He instills the spirit of God in them so they can speak forth a word in due season. You are that person if you have a, have a prophetic gift. You have the word that God instills in you. So that's what you do. You become a mouthpiece for God. You're the one on the earth. God doesn't have a mouthpiece on the, on the earth. He needs you to speak forth his word. That's what you do. You get the word from the Lord and you speak it forth. Now, let's go to, if you will, to Numbers chapter 11. I want to show you something here. Numbers chapter 11. All right, Numbers chapter 11 and verses 24 through 30. Numbers 20, 11 chapter 11, verses 24 through 30. It says, And Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and set them round about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke unto him, and took the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the 70 elders. 
that when the Spirit rested upon them, and they did not cease. But there remained two of the men in the camp. The name of the one was Eldad, and the, and the name of the other Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them, and they were the, and they were of them that were written, but went not out unto the tabernacle, and they prophesied in the camp. And there ran a, a young man, told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad, to prophesy in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men answered and said, My Lord, for my, my Lord Moses forbid them. And Moses said unto them, Envious thou not my, for my God that all of the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them? I'm going to read that again. Verse 29. And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake, would God that all of the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them? So this desire, God desires to have all people become prophets. Jesus, that's his desire. If that is his desire, but sometimes it just doesn't happen. You see, we don't understand why it doesn't happen, but God knows why it happens, because sometimes people don't understand how to flow in a, as a prophet. They go out on a tangent. Some people become proud. Some people become um, crazy. They become like doomsday people. They, all they want to do is prophesy. People and these are the people that when they have a prophetic gift, they become crazy. They 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 be, they make people scared and fearful. Now I don't think the prophetic gift was instilled for the church that way. When we look in the Old Testament, yeah, the Old Testament prophets were of old, but they were different from what we are today. They were instilling a message of repentance more so for the nation of Israel to come back to God. The people, the nation of Israel was all messed up. They were idol worshippers. They were in sin. So the prophetic that was in the Old Testament was more, of a, was more of a rebuke to them. So God wanted them to come back to him. Eventually they did, but it took many, many years. So when we look at a, the Old Testament prophets from the New Testament prophet, we see a different type of, of ministry. We can't, prophesy like Jer we can't prophesy like Jeremiah, like Ezekiel or Isaiah. We, we're not them. We don't have that ministry. They were sent to Israel with a strong rebuke. When we prophesy again the church is for different purpose sometimes we can't warn people yes but we got to be careful because conviction comes mostly from the holy ghost the holy spirit does the conviction men, not men men do that but they're basically operating in the the carnal man the desires because they get their emotions involved and they start prophesying in the flesh and putting people down and start talking out of their head not the spirit amen so when we look at again why how is one who is called to be a prophet we see in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, that Jeremiah was womb. From his mother's womb, it says. So let's look at that real quick. Jeremiah chapter 1. Let's go there. Maybe you've read this before, but I want to read it again, just in case you have not. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, again, if you just, I just mentioned, it says, verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So we see here, 
that Jeremiah's called to be a prophet from his mother's womb. He didn't have to do anything for it. He didn't do anything special. When we look in the book of Amos, we see Amos, an Old Testament prophet, didn't even go to prophetic school. He didn't have the school of the prophets. If you look at the Old Testament, his name is Amos, A-M-O-S. He's a man that people don't even know about. He was a farmer. He was a herdsman. Yet God gave him a word to bring forth to the nations in Judah and Jerusalem. And, I mean, he just came forth. And he didn't have the gifts or stuff like that. He just received the spirit of God on him, and he began to prophesy against the nations. So he was called. So when you are a prophet, God has called you to be a prophet. You don't choose to do these things. You don't wake up one morning and say, hey, I want to be a prophet. No, you are something that God chose from the Father. It says here, in you and your mother's womb, I knew you. God already knew what he would have planned for Jeremiah. He knew Jeremiah. He knew what kind of person he was. He knew his characteristics. He knew his good points, his bad points. He knew everything about him. And this is the reason why God chose him already. And this is the reason why God chooses us as prophets, because he knows who you are better than you know you who you are. He knows you better than your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your wife, your husband. He knows what you can do, what you cannot do. This is why he chooses you. So you can't choose these things. God chooses us. The only thing is we have to know these things. We have to be aware of these things. We have to know that he has chosen you. As you move forward in your Christian walk, you will begin to see things and know things. You'll say, why am I knowing these things? Why am I seeing these things? Why? Because God has imparted a gift to you. He has instilled a prophetic word into you, a prophetic gift to you. This is the reason why you're able to know things and see things and predict things. And before things happen, you know them because God is showing you that you have a prophetic gift. Okay? It's something that, again, you didn't wake up one morning and say, oh, by the way, I want to be a prophet. Like way people wake up one morning and say, oh, I want to be a fireman. Or I want to be a policeman or whatever. You know, something you don't choose is something you become. So in the New Testament, Paul asks an ironic question. Now let's go there. I want to show you something in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Well, even though everybody's called to prophesy, like I mentioned, and the Bible says that, even Paul says that not everybody is a prophet. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And here we go. He asks a rhetorical question, but I'll back it up in verse 27. He says, now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has said some in the church. Now notice he says some, not all. Some, not all. God has said some in the church. First apostles, secondary prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings. Look at that, it's a plural. Gifts of healings is plural. There's a specific type of healings with that anointing. That's another teaching in itself. Then gifts, again, think of gifts of healings, then helps, governments, diversity of tongues. And here's the question. Are all, pro are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. Then he says in verse 31, but covet earnestly the best gift, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. So Paul's being kind of sarcastic here. He's saying are all prophets, and the question, the answer to that question is apparently no. Not everybody is, but some are. So don't, don't think that everybody is because they prophesy. Again, I keep emphasizing that 
so we can make that clear. Because you can't prophesy. That's what God has called you to give. The, the, when God baptized you with the Holy Spirit, it opened up the realm to the prophetic in your life so that you can prophesy. Amen. But a calling and office is something else. Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 11. It says, He gave some, again, some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers okay so as i mentioned before not everybody's called to the same thing sometimes people have more than one some people have apostolic prophetic some people can do two three four of these things some people say they are they have all five of the gifts of five full ministries everybody's different some people disagree with that some people say no you can't have all five i personally believe you can I believe in the fivefold ministry. I don't think that you can just have one, but possibly maybe, you know, I believe most people, when they have the prophetic a gift, they have all five. That's my opinion. So my question here to you is this, and maybe you want to understand this part of the lesson is this, where is the origin of the prophets? How did this even begin? Well, I'll give you a little bit of history here. After the people had entered the promised land, they came, there came a time when everyone did as they saw fit. And we see that in Judges 17 and verse, uh, in chapter 21, verse 25. And it is, was evident that the nation had to have a king, talking about Israel. But the first request for a king were made in the spirit and for a purpose that conflicted with what God intended for a theocracy to be. The first king was not a man after God's own heart. We're talking about Saul here but one who often did his own desires. This was a time when there was danger, not only in the idolatry of the Canaan, but also from the incursions of the Philistines. For the encouragement and spiritual wealth of the nations, bands of prophets were raised up. So basically when it came to the school of the prophets, there were four locations. You writing these down, you may wanna take notes and write these down. The locations of the schools of the proper of the prophets were as follows. There was number one, there was a school in Ramah. This is where Samuel lived, and that's in first Samuel chapter 19. Ramah, R-A-M-H. R-A-M-H. This is where Samuel lived. You see that in first Samuel chapter 19. Then number two, the second location was Kirath Jiriam. Kiriath or Kirjath Jiram. And that's K-I-R-J-A-T-H, K-I-R-J-A-T-H, Jerim, Jerim, J-E-A-R-I-M. And basically that's where the Ark of the Covenant was held. And we see that in 1 Samuel chapter 7. And then the third location was in Jericho. Here you see a different terminology. It's no longer called school, but it's called sons, sons of the prophets. And we see that in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 38. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1, these were called the sons of the prophets, the sons of the prophets. And then the fourth location was in Bethel, in Bethel, B-E-T-H-E-L. And this is where you see Elijah, Elisha, rather, coming on the scene. This is in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Again, 
The fourth location was in Bethel, where Elijah was. So again, the locations of the school of the prophets were Ramah, Kirath, Jerim, Jericho, and Bethel. Now, were all the prophets male? That's another question. Well, they weren't. They were women prophets, not only in the New Testament, but the Old Testament. I know you ladies are happy about that. There were 10 recorded in the Bible that were called prophetess. Not only were they prophetess in the New, but there was prophetess in the Old. And we see the first one was Miriam, Miriam, which was Moses' daughter. We see that in Micah, the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 4. Micah, chapter 6, verse 4. Then the second prophet, woman prophet, was Deborah. Deborah, and she's in Judges, the book of Judges, chapter 4, and verse 4. Then the third lady was Huldah, H-U-L-D-A-H, Huldah. And you'll see a, make, a mention of her in 2 Kings 22 and verse 14. And then the fourth woman is Noadiah, Noadiah, N-O-A-D-I-H. And we see her in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 14. And then the fifth one was Isaiah's wife. This I didn't even know. Isaiah's wife, from the book of Isaiah, his wife was called a prophetess. And we see that in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 3. Then number six, in the New Testament, we have Anna. Anna, and that's from Luke chapter 2, verse 36. Anna. And then finally, we see four more, and that's Philip's daughters. Four more women that were into prophetic. And you see this in Acts chapter 21, verses 8 and 9. That Philip's daughters. Acts chapter 21, 8 and 9. So as we see here that not only men were prophetic, not only men were prophets, but women too had the gift. As Joel's prophecy confirmed that your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So it came to pass. Okay, I want to go to one final section before I wrap this up. And I want to go to 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10. Now, this is an interesting story. You see, pro prophets are contagious. They, a prophetic gift is contagious. When you get around other prophets, you begin to grow. You become to prophesy more. You have to develop your gift with other people like the like-minded. Usually, people that, like they say, birds of a feather flock together. If you have a prophetic gift, you hang out with other people that have prophetic gifts so you can grow. You get in conference calls like this, or you go to meetings similar. You go to a church, or you hang out with people that have a prophetic gift. That's what you do so that you can grow. Now, you're going to see this. I'm not just talking out of my head. I have biblical proof of what I'm saying. First Samuel chapter, we're going to read verses 1 through 27. Let me turn to it on my computer. I'm going to read it from, hold it. I'm going to read it from the New King James because the King James makes me fumble over my words when I, when I read it too, for too long a period of time. I just get stuck with the these and thou. So anyway, 
First Samuel chapter 10, we're going to read 20, all the whole chapter. This is, an, this is a powerful chapter if you want to know about prophetic uh, impartations. Prophetic impartations. And it says, Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head. Oh, I'm reading. Hold on, hold on. Let me back up. I'm reading from the King James. I got to fix this. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me do this real quick. Okay, here we go. Okay, then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? He's talking about Saul here. When you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin and Zelzah, and they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. And now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you saying, what shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on there forward from there and come to the, to the terebinth tree of Tabor. There three men are going up to God and Bethel will meet you. One carrying three goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive from their hands. And after that, you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you have come to, their, to, their, to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from a high place with stringed instruments, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them. And they will be prophesying. Now, notice that these are prophets that are going to come down from this high place. They're going to come with musical instruments, as we just read here. They stringed instruments, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp. In the musical, this is what they call prophetic worship. It came down from, the, from wherever they were, and they began to play these instruments, and they began to prophesy. So we notice that when we have good worship in a church, the prophetic will flow even better because the anointing will get even stronger. When you are in a church that the worship is weak, it hinders the, that anointing of the prophetic to go forth because God loves the praises of his people. He says he inhabits the praises of his people. So when you see a church that's on fire and you see the Holy Ghost moving because the spirit of God is moving and because the worship is powerful. Um, men and women need to get on board with a band. They, I, I don't think that people should have uh, no band in their churches. There's so many churches that are getting comfortable just playing CDs and, and, and tapes and stuff like that. And they don't care about if they have uh, worship or they don't have instruments and stuff like that. They're too lazy to even look for, uh, for um, uh, instruments or people, musicians, to, um, to play in their church. And we, but that God is looking for a church that's going to worship him. And when he does, people do worship, and the presence of God is going to be so strong. I remember being in many churches that the presence of God was so strong that when you went up to the altar, you would just fall out on the power of God. That's how strong it was. You could feel it. It was thick. It was, it was tremendous. Um, that church is no longer around, unfortunately. The pastor died, he passed away, and when he died, the, the, uh, everything fell apart. He died, the church pretty much fell apart. I mean, the church still exists, but it's not the same. That anointing is not the same. Actually, that church caught fire, and they are now rebuilding it. Amen? So again, as long as the prophetic word comes forth through instruments, through worship, through prophesying came after they played the harp and all these instruments. I look at verse six, it says, then the spirit of the Lord, this is Samuel prophesying. It says, then the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. I love that. 
when the word, when the spirit of the Lord comes on you, you say turn into another man or another woman. You are not the same anymore. You become an instrument of God. You become a vessel of the Holy Ghost. You become an oracle of God. You have become a mouthpiece of the living God. You're not the same anymore. Amen. And it says in verse seven, and let it be that when these signs come to you, that you will do as the occasion demands. For God is with you. You shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings, offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. And then it says, so it was when he turned his back from Samuel that God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. Okay, I want to go further down. Let's move down for the time's sake. I want to look at the impartation now. Let's go down to, let's go to 23, verse 23. When you have an opportunity, read this entire chapter. Well, for time's sake, we're going to go down to verse 23 to 27. It says, so they ran and brought him there. And when he stood among the people, he was tall and all the other people and he, his shoulders were upward. And Samuel said to the other people, do you see him who the Lord has chosen? That there's no one like among him, all, all the all the people. No, I don't want to read that. That's not that's not the one. That's not it. No, no, no. I went down too far. I went down too far. Okay, I wanted to read verse nine. Excuse me. Let's back up to verse nine. I went down too far. Verse nine says, "So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day." And when they came to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who knew him were formally saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to one another, what is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul among the prophets? Then a man from there answered and said, but who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? So I see that when this procession of people came down, they came with that anointing and Saul received that anointing and he began to prophesy. If you know Saul, he became a, a weak king and you know at the end that he died because of his sins. He was a disobedient king. In the beginning he was okay, but at the end he fell some grace and he died along with his sons. But that's not the focus. The focus here is basically the impartation that came upon him because of what he was around. The anointing of God that that came with this procession of prophets came upon him because he was around that. The glory came with these people. So there's an impartation that comes upon people when they're around other prophets. It's contagious, as they say. So if you want to, again, like I mentioned before, grow in your gift, get around other men and women of God that flow in the prophetic. So let me go now really quick to 1 Samuel 19. 1 Samuel 19, and this is I'm going to close with this. 1 Samuel chapter 19, and I want to read verse 20, and then we'll read 23 to 29. I'll back it up a little bit. It says in verse 18, so David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah. Remember I mentioned before that that's where one of the schools were located, and told him that all Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed in Naoth. Now was told Saul, saying, take note, David is at Naoth and Ramah. Then Saul sent message to take David, and when he saw the group of prophets prophesying, 
and Samuel standing as leader over them, the spirit of God came upon the messages of Saul and they also prophesied. Now look at that. They also prophesied. Who prophesied? The messages that Saul had sent to, the, to go look for Samuel. The anointing of God that was on Samuel was so strong that when the messages came that was sent from Saul, they came among that group that we in Samuel, the anointing of God fell on these messages and they began to prophesy. It's amazing. Now look at verse 21. It says, and, Saul, and when Saul was told, he sent other messages and they prophesied likewise. Again, it's the second time. They also prophesied. And then Saul sent messages a third time and they prophesied also. Then he also sent to Ramah and came to the great well that is at Siku. So he asked and said, where are Samuel and David? So as we said right there, as we read right there, we noticed three times that these messengers came to get David and the anointing of Samuel was strong, strong that it fell upon the messengers. Three times Saul sent messengers and they began to prophesy. Again, we see a partations also in Romans chapter one and verse 11. And many churches, they do that. They impart that type of gift. Many people, when they get ordained, they are prophesied, they laid hands on people. And sometimes people are giving the anointing at that point. Sometimes people get an impartation, they call it. People don't, people don't understand, they don't believe it. But if you go to Romans chapter one and verse 11, he says to the Romans, I want to come to you so I can give you an impartation, meaning a, a spiritual gift. Whatever anointing I have, I want to pass it on to you. So when we get into churches, it's good to be around good leaders that have that anointing. So it's good to be in good churches that have a prophetic word, a prophetic gift. If you're a person that is, whatever ministry you're in, it's important that your leadership is in that gift, whether it be healing, speaking in tongues, a prophetic word, whatever the gift may be, you, you have to be around leadership as well that have that gift so that you can receive an impartation. I remember receiving something from uh, this other bishop about two years ago when I went to his church and he prayed for me and I felt like a bolt of lightning went through my body and I hit the floor. And when I, he remember, I will never forget these words. I may have not remember everything he said, but I did I remember. He said, you're going to go down, but when you come up, you're going to be a different man. And I remember Saul, I was told to Saul the same way. You're going to become a different man. And when the anointing of God in that way comes upon you, you become a different person. You think differently, you speak differently, you have discernment, your discernment gets stronger, your senses are sharper, you hear God's voice more clearer, you can become another person. It's a fight, it's a battle, the enemy will attack that. He doesn't want you to be that way. He doesn't want you to grow in your gift. He doesn't want you to move forward in God. I think that is uh, not uncommon. The devil wants to just kill, still in your gift. Victory, he's giving you the power. You have the Holy Ghost so you can overcome all these issues that the enemy throws at you. All these fiery darts, as it says in Ephesians 6, you go up the shield of faith. Through the word of God, you overcome them. As it says in Revelation, we overcome him by the word of God, not testimony. Through the word of our testimony, who believe who we are, we overcome the enemy. We become our obstacles. We overcome our trials. We overcome all these situations because we know that what God has taken us out of. We know that what we was, we are no longer. We become a new creature in Christ, as Paul writes. Any man be in Christ, he's a what? He's a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. You become a new person. But again, you must protect your gift. You must grow in your gift. You must exercise your gift. Amen? Praise God. Well, I'm pretty much done.
with my lesson. So I'm gonna open up the lines at this point. If anybody has any questions that they wanna share, we can do that this time. All the people on Periscope, thank you for watching. I'm gonna sign off at this time. God bless you.